Welcome to Talk World Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. This week on Talk World Radio, we are talking about the unending Moroccan occupation of Western Sahara with Tim Pluta, who is speaking to us from the town of Boujdor in the home of human rights activist Sultana Kaya. Tim is an organizer in Spain with World Beyond War and a U.S. military veteran, a conscientious objector, and an unarmed civilian protector. Tim Pluto, welcome back to Talk World Radio. Thank you very much, David. It's an honor and quite a pleasure to be here. So tell everybody why you are in Western Sahara. Goodness gracious, we're in Western Sahara to support nonviolent activists Sultana Kaya, who at this point, in, she works for Independence for Western Sahara, which is currently under illegal occupation by Morocco and supported by the United States. Sultana is asking right now, this is about she and her sister and her mother were put under, in quotes, house arrest. We say it's forced restriction in the home about 540 days ago and 482 of those days they were all alone in the house with frequent break-ins by the Moroccan agents the illegal occupiers they surrounded the house 24 7 wouldn't let them out they let the mother out who's 84 to get food and water occasionally uh, but wouldn't let the daughters out. And if they tried to get out, they'd forcibly push them back in. They, uh, we have videos of getting their legs and arms closed in metal doors by the occupiers. And they were beaten. They were tortured over that 482 days. They had the electricity cut off. They had the water cut off. They had their well water poisoned. They had toxic chemicals drained outside their house and inside their house. They had break-ins by the Moroccan agents and their mother who was 85 had her hands bound behind her back so forcibly that it tore her shoulder muscles. And then she was forced to watch her daughters be raped in front of her. And so Sultana put a call out for somebody to come to the house just to observe. And uh, we had a group of people who answered the call and we came to the home in a clandestine manner and got in after we consulted with numerous people who had tried to get in before over the 400, during the 480 days, but none of them had made it. And they gave us very slim chance to succeed. They said, don't, even if you do get in, we give you almost 0% chance of succeeding. But even if you do get in, they'll have you out within two days. So don't plan for anything past two days. So we planned for 10 because we thought maybe we'd get lucky. Well, we got in and we've been here now for over two months. We had an initial team of four, two people went home. Ruth McDonough, who is currently on a hunger strike, day nine of a hunger strike is with us there with me. And we are supporting Sultana to demand from the Moroccan government, who is 100% responsible for this, to stop the rapes in her home, to stop the siege of her home, and to allow an unbiased international human rights organization to come in and write a report 
for the public to see and hear what has happened here. And when you got there and since you've been there, there's been a tremendous difference due to the fact that there are human beings who matter, that is people with US citizenship in the house, right? Yes, it's, it's not only, we've talked about this quite a bit. You know, as well as I do, that the United States has a long history and is currently participating in indigenous population decimation, uh, displacement, and then taking of, of natural resources. The same thing's basically going on here. But yes, the, the agents used to be around, they're still around the house 24 hours a day, but they hide behind the corners because ethically they know that they're, they're wrong. They don't wanna be on camera, but before, for some reason they, they didn't matter when we got here, we'd have pictures of them like 30 centimeters from the window because they didn't know we were here when we first got here. And uh, yet, and then when they found out that we got here, they scattered and they've disappeared around the corners since we've been here. And you're right, we're, we're white, we're both white, we're privileged and, and, and the United States has a billion dollar arms deal on the table with Morocco currently. And they've in the past given uh, vehicles, military vehicles, military advisors, and a hundred times a year, they have military training with Morocco because it's in Africa. The United States wants another foothold in Africa so they can reap all of the, the natural resources in one way or another down there. It, it really disappointing, David, that we can, the reason that we're making a difference is that we have US passports. And those are the same people that are suppressing the, or backing the, the government that's suppressing the Sahrawi people and really beating, raping, torturing, imprisoning in, in prisons that are hidden, that nobody, their families don't know where they are and they've been sentenced to life terms or 30 years or 25 years just because of peaceful activism. And when you broke the siege in this house, uh, people thought it was safe now and friends started to come visiting until they found out that they would get beaten after, after departing, right? It's, it's very true. I will correct one thing. We started out to say the th same thing. We came here to break the siege and it was reported that we broke the siege because we got in. This house is still under siege, David. We did not break it. We interrupted it. We disabled it a little bit, but it's still going on. We see the agents every day. They're filming us. They, we go up on the rooftop with Sultana to support her in her daily protests, and, we, and they'll film us up there as well. So uh, yes, we, we interrupted the siege, but, but we did not break it. And what was the second part of your question? I'm sorry, I, I forgot it. Uh, well, it was about the, the fact that people would come and visit uh, thinking it was ah, safe. Yes, it was so unbelievable that the first they had when we came in, it was black and, and it was uh, it was stinking inside. They had no electricity. Uh, the water was barely running and they hadn't had any visitors. We were the first people in 482 days to come in. And the very next day, because the guards had scattered, the house was full. There was 60 or 80 people who came to visit and it was wonderful. And the next day, eh, there were about 40 because word was starting to spread that 
anyone would be in trouble if they go to the Kaya house. And then, then it started happening. People who came to visit would end up being beaten on the way home, locked in their home and not being allowed to be out. And it was almost overnight that the only people that came to visit were people in the same town and family members. So, and we have some people came later on, uh, maybe week two or three to help to participate in upstairs on the roof with the protests. And I think there were 18 people in the picture and either the next day or the day after six of the women in the picture, three of them had been beaten one of them with a club with nails in it so that, I mean, we actually, she's a friend of the family. So she comes over and we've seen the holes in her legs from the nails and the club. So it's not a, it's not a hearsay story. We, we actually see it. Another woman was interrogated and her hands were crushed during interrogation and she was beaten so badly that she had to go to a hospital two and a half hours away to have reconstructive surgery on her hands. And she had to go there because the Moroccans do not allow the Sahrawi people to use public health care system. And they do not allow them to go, they don't allow them to have their own schools. So they have to go through Moroccan schools and learn the Moroccan traditions. And they can't say that they live in Western Sahara. It's so much like the Israeli occupation of Palestine. But when I talk to people in the U.S. about the Israeli occupation of Palestine, they know what I'm talking about and they know what a horrible, hateful anti-Semite I must be for talking about <laughs> it. But when I talk about the occupation of Western Sahara by Morocco, they've never heard of it, and I, which I think is actually worse. Um, how, how, is, how is it possible that that being a U.S. citizen sitting there taking up lifting up whatever you were doing, upending your life and going and sitting as a as a life that matters in Western Sahara protects people from a military armed and trained with U.S. weapons. And yet people in the U.S. have never heard of the thing. None of my friends, when I started sending emails to them, even knew where Western Sahara was, David. It, the For years, the Moroccan government has had a had a clamping deadlock on media. It's been complete blackout, media blackout. And so that's they, nothing's gone out. And journalists were stopped at the airport, or if they made it into Bujdur, there were so many occupying forces here that they would prevent them from coming in the house. So that the media has been blacked out. The United States has I'm sure, I don't know this for a fact because I wasn't there making the decisions, but it appears to me that the United States has backed that media, media blackout because the United States has been backing Morocco in their shenanigans here since 1976 when the Polisario drove Spain out and Spain just handed it over basically to Mauritania and Morocco. And then Spain, the Polisario, battled against Mauritania and pushed them away. And Morocco said, oh, now it's all ours. And then they started their, their brutality and the United States, uh, United States helped them out by, by selling them arms, uh, drones, uh, vehicles, all sorts of things. So yeah, it's, it's not surprising. The United States wouldn't want anybody to know that they're involved in this, but they are and deeply and seriously and bridging over to your comment about Israel and Palestine, after Trump in 2020, in November 2020, 
tweeted, he tweeted, David, that, oh yeah, I support you, Morocco. Morocco right then commenced with an, an increase in the brutality because they said, United States now supports us. It's the only country in the world that says, and it's not legal at all. US has nothing, or United Nations has nothing legal. International law has nothing legal. There's nothing legal. And there are countries in Africa and other countries around the world that recognize Western Sahara as a territory. And, um, but the United States does not. Recently, the, the State Department and the CIA both printed new maps and took Western Sahara off it. So it really gives a very clear indication of where the government is headed. And so after Trump did his tweet, funny enough, he goes, or the government goes, our government, United States government goes, look, Morocco, if you make friends with Israel, then guess what? We're going to like you even better and Israel will help you out too. So now Morocco and Israel are holding hands and I, I can only imagine what's going to happen now when Israel begins to advise Morocco on how to control the Sahrawi people. It really, it really makes me sick that the United States is so involved in that. And we're speaking with Tim Pluta, who is a U.S. citizen and is in Western Sahara protecting uh, activists at their home uh, from the Moroccan occupation. Since that tweet by Trump escalated uh, the Moroccan uh, abuses in Western Sahara, which is remarkable given that we think of these tweets as just comical nonsense, uh, has there been the slightest word against that policy uh, from Joe Biden or anyone else in the U.S. government? That, yeah, that, that was a great question, David. That was the hope. The hope was, yes, a buffoon tweeted something and now it's going into, into international policy. That's, that's so far-fetched that we couldn't believe it. But when Joe comes in, he'll, he'll take care of it. And I was up on the roof the other day and I said, say it ain't so, Joe, say it ain't so, because he hasn't done a thing. He hasn't said a thing. And, and with the, the State Department and the CIA making the new maps, and actually the State Department also took, they used to have a desk when you'd call the State Department and ask for the Western Sahara desk, you could get the Western Sahara desk. They've deleted that. And now they funnel all questions about Western Sahara to the Morocco desk. So, and and this, there, I still, there's no laws that say that that's the legal thing to do. Yeah, anyway. And it's, and, and I, I mean, I, the, the, the president of Morocco is an incredibly corrupt, multi-billionaire client of the U.S. government, a U.S. weapons customer. I understand that conflict of interest, but this isn't actually a U.S. war. It's not uh, on U.S. TV. The U.S. military is not directly fighting the war with U.S. casualties and the lives mm -hmm. that matter being lost. Where are the Western human rights organizations uh, that typically, if it's not a U.S. war, they'll at least comment on the atrocities. Where are yeah. they? Yeah, yeah, that's another great question. We're up on the roof every day inviting them to come to the house and nobody's shown up. I will say that there have been some that have, well, I'll say there's one that has called us and apparently doing a report but it, with the report was due two weeks ago and it's still not available. So I don't know 
you know, I just think that the United States has quite a bit of influence and it's, I'm sure that it's helping to stop the UN from trying to regenerate the referendum for independence here to give a vote. Um, and I, d I don't know, David, my answer is, I don't know why the human rights organizations aren't here. We call to them every day from the roof. We have now one who called yesterday and may be interested in helping out. Part of it, I think, is US pressure against that. And part of it is, as you said before, the education about what's going on here is just not out there. And well, Spain, who is partly partly responsible for this, because when they left in 75, they'd, they'd controlled it for a couple hundred years as a colony. And they basically, if you go online, you can find a 20 second video that shows the commander of the Spanish forces walking across the street and some Moroccan forces coming in and he says, okay, it's all clear, you can have it now. And that was it, that was the, that was the Passover. There was no legal anything that went on for it. Um, it's, it's sad, it's really sad for me. <laughs> And, and Ruth McDonough, uh, who's been on this program, who's a former teacher from New Hampshire, who's there with you, she has stopped eating, right? She has. She's in day number nine right now of, of, uh, of uh, hunger strike. And the Sahrawi people here have really come on board. Uh, uh, lots of them have joined up with a 24 hour, they can do a 24 hour fast in solidarity with, with Ruth. And lots of people here have taken that, taken that up in support. And now we have people from Spain, the United States, um, uh, India, people throughout Africa, Ireland, Britain, uh, who, who have joined in with, they can sign up for a 24-hour fast to, in solidarity to yeah. demand just the three demands, you know, stop the rapes, stop the siege, and let a human rights organization in the house to write a report. Assuming the human rights organization will come. Uh, the, the website, Tim, uh, that you've told me before for people to sign up and do a fast is karamasahara.org slash register, K-A-R-A-M-A, sahara.org slash register, so people can join in, right? Yeah, thank you very much for that, David. There might be a slash at the end of that, too. I'm not certain, but um, it could be slash register slash, but it might be just slash register, but it'll, it'll get you there. Yep. And uh, some days back, uh, the Moroccans tried a little trick uh, showing up as medical personnel, right? Yeah, it was pretty, it was unwarranted. Uh, they, they claimed that there was someone in the house who was fasting and they needed medical attention. It was an attempt for them. They drove up with an ambulance and made lots of noise and knocked on the door like they had never, oh yes, we have to come in and, and help the foreigner who is, who is ill. We have to take her out. And the sisters in the house came to the door and recognized the two guys as actually men who participated in the rape in the house. And they closed the door and they said, no way, you're not coming in here. And so it was, we found out later after they'd asked some questions that the Moroccans were trying to get into the house to get us out. 
So how, uh, other than being on programs like this one uh, and a few other programs like Democracy Now! that has covered this story from time to time, how can, how can people make anyone aware? Uh, what can be done to make the world know? I, I mean, if there were, if there were an, a Ukrainian with a Ukrainian flag on that roof, my God, that might do the trick. But short of that, uh, what can be done to make people know this is going on? Yeah. Uh, one of the things I think is, it, well, there are several things. One is to get involved even locally. If you don't want to do anything internationally and come and visit, and Sultana has an open invitation to people to come and visit, because as long as there's a foreigner in the house, they have a better chance of staying alive and not being raped or beaten or tortured. So what would be great is if people came here regularly, came to visit. You can get a stamp in your passport for three months. You can stay a week or you can stay a month or two months or three months and just keep coming and, and waving through here so that they can continue with their, they've got, they've got a good movement going here. It's a mostly women led movement because the men, the Moroccans take the jobs away from the men if they get caught protesting or take their, their, um, their pension away if they're caught protesting. They're thrown into prison, sexually abused there as well. It, it's, it's horrible, horrible. But the women keep going and they keep standing up after everything that's happened. And they're nonviolent, David. Every single day they're nonviolent. And they have been for, for years, even after Sultana got her eye gouged out in 2007 by she was protesting uh, peacefully, got her eye gouged out and then got eight months in prison. And nothing happened to the police officer that gouged her eye out. So people can, can come and visit. They can write to their congressman and, and all, just type in Western Sahara Sultana Chaya. They can learn a little bit about it. Ask their congresspeople if they know what's going on. And hardly anybody will, although there are a few who are trying to raise the issue, but it's not getting very far. Or work locally as well. Get involved in some uh, local issue that, that um, can educate about Western Sahara to people is another good thing to do. Or what I always say, if you got a couple extra bucks, call the Moroccan government and say, hey, cut it out, would you? What, a couple extra bucks for the cost of the phone call? For the you call, made? yeah, for the cost of the phone call, yeah. So Tim Pluto, we've got just a, a few minutes left. Um, what are your plans? Are you gonna stay there indefinitely until the occupation ends or are you gonna move on to something else when new volunteers show up? Yeah, well, that's, that's what we're working on right now. Things, um, in that sense, we've had a great deal of good luck that we've been here longer than anyone ever thought. And now we're trying to arrange that the family here, the Kaya family will be protected into the future. I would like to think that I could stay here until someone else shows up, but I know that I have a stamp in my in my passport that uh, runs out on a certain date. I've even thought about, oh gosh, you know, if Morocco really doesn't have jurisdiction here, who can say that I have to leave? But that probably would, uh, would wreck things for future people trying to come here. So I think we'll just stay until we're, we're told to go. And with just about one minute left and Ruth will be continuing the, the fast. Ruth is still on fast. Yep, it will announce when, when she's finished. But because there's been such a good international response, uh, that, that, that part, this is helping to educate as well. 
I mean, nine days is a pretty long day to be on a fast. And uh, while she's in a range of normal, her body is changing. You know, she's she's much more, uh, she's lethargic. Um, her belly is, you know, saying we'd like something to eat. And so we'll we'll see how much longer it lasts. But there's been a lot of good support. Wonderful to hear. I hope it continues and grows. Uh, I hope this helps a little bit. We've been speaking with Tim Pluta, who is in Western Sahara, who is there as a nonviolent protector. Uh, Tim, wishing you and uh, Sultana and Ruth and everyone there the best. Uh, Thank you very, very much for coming on Talk World Radio. Thank you, David, for having us here. It's always a joy to talk with you. We've got time to close out the show with an incredible song called No to War by Blaze Wika, and I recommend watching the video at talkworldradio.org.
I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. Read or listen to today's Peace Almanac entry at peacealmanac.org. All past shows can be heard at talkworldradio.org. Talk World Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way.